I offered in the first service for Matt to be able to describe Jenna with one word since it's his turn. Still not doing it. She sounded like she had an awesome reaction after finding out about the last time. So. <laughs> it's a brother's love. Well, uh, you guys doing okay? Pretty good? I, uh, I said earlier, but I'll thank him again. Thank you to Nathan for preaching last week and uh, allowing me a uh, chance to get to take our family on vacation. I kind of just uh, suddenly realized a couple of weeks ago that uh, the summer was pretty much over and about to be gone for good, and uh, we hadn't taken vacation in a year, and uh, that uh, we needed to do that. So uh, anyway, we we uh, got to got to go to Florida and took my phone swimming with me and, you know, stuff like that. So, uh, you know, just, uh, you know, another day. But uh, no, we had a good time. It was good to, good to get to be with our family and with our kiddos. And uh, uh, we, uh, I think we ate donuts every night um, between uh, my wife and, uh, and then Ben, uh, who he and his family were with us for the first part of the trip as well. Uh, and uh, between the two of them, it was you know we gotta we gotta try every donut place in Panama City, which I'm I'm fine with. But I'll be honest with you, by like I don't know like the I don't know the fifth or sixth night, you know we're still eating donuts at night, and I'm like I'm good. I'm I'm, I'm I, I need a break from the donuts, but uh, they were they were good. They were good donuts, chocolate iced with sprinkles. In case you were ever wanting to know, so that's that's where it's at. Um, so just, just saying, uh, have you, anybody, is there anybody in here that can testify to the whistle stop donuts? Anybody, anybody that's tried the whistle stop donuts? Yeah. See how easy it is to get somebody to testify to something like that. Now I could say here in just a minute, like, you know, could you testify the Holy Spirit spoke to you in the last year? And, 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 and some of you'd been like, but the donuts, you're like, oh yeah, no, the whistle stop donuts. Like, I mean... The Holy Spirit spoke. The, the Holy Spirit spoke to me through the whistle stop donuts. So Thomas's, yeah, yeah. Shipley, here we go. I start. I open my big mouth. Yeah. Well, I think they're all tasty when they got chocolate icing with sprinkles on top of them. So it could be a bad donut, and I can still go. It's still got that icing with those sprinkles. Something about it. No, uh, we. Uh, we, uh, this is a cool day uh, in the life of our church. You know, only once in our church have we installed deacons, and that was several years ago, and all of those deacons have continued to serve and uh, very faithfully. And then, um, uh, then uh, you know, we, we've just, as a staff, we've been, we've been talking for some time about seeing the church continuing to grow and seeing the need for more deacons. And a lot of people, maybe you sitting here, you don't even know what a, what a deacon is, uh, or you've never really had a real understanding of what deacons are supposed to be or whatever. Well, guess what we're talking about today, so you'll, you'll know. But uh, tonight, uh, tonight, we're installing uh, eight new deacons. And uh, I'll, I'll talk about you know, some of that and how, how we kind of get to that point and everything. But uh, Please come, 6 o'clock. Please come and, and be with us tonight. Uh, it'll, it'll be a special time for us together. We'll be praying over them and some of that kind of thing. And uh, you'll see as we kind of talk through some of this, kind of how that all plays out and how we get to here. But, uh, um, you know, uh, it's, it's an awesome thing to get to serve together with people who just love Jesus and, and love others and care about others uh, so very much. And uh, I've been, I've been kind of, I'd mentioned even to the staff, uh, for a while now that I felt like we needed to, to kind of reteach through ordinances of the church and things like um, uh, the offices of, of elders and deacons and that kind of thing. And so uh, it just seemed appropriate to go ahead and, and talk about deacons this morning so people have a clue what deacons are and how, they're, uh, how they can help us and uh, minister to us and that kind of thing. So uh, pretty awesome stuff. Um, if you got your Bible, go ahead and get it out. We're going to go to Acts chapter 6. And if you don't have your Bible, uh, we've got Bibles. Our ushers will bring you one. Just let them get you one. Acts chapter 6. If you need one, just throw your hand in the air and wave it like you just don't care. And uh, we'll. Uh, and if you if you don't own one, we want you to keep that. It's a gift. You can keep it. You can have it. Uh, if you do own one, you just need to borrow it. That's fine, too. You can put it back on the shelf on your way out. Help them with that. Um, but uh, Acts chapter 6, we see this picture 
of something happening uh, that we, we see. I, I, I feel like we're seeing this even in our church right now. As our church continues to grow and continues to have more people and uh, more things going on, I mean, I, I'm amazed sometimes we've got some of the stuff going on around here that we do. There's so many things happening now during the week here through uh, different uh, ministries. You know, when, when, when we prayed about you know, when we first started the church, for starters, there's a little, little inside information here for you. You know, when we first started the church, I really thought that we would probably try to stay in the school for at least eight years. Now, if you were there during that time and you were helping set up and tear down, I didn't tell you that then, okay? Because you would have killed me if I had told you that we were going to be there for eight years because we did some work back in the day. And, and it's funny because a lot of those people that, you know, were a part of that then, you know, they'll talk to me now and be like, man, I, I miss that setting up and tearing down. And I'm like, no, you don't. No, you don't. You think you missed that setting up and tearing down. No, no, no. You missed the fellowship that we had while we were setting up and tearing down because, you know, a whole bunch of people showed up on a Saturday night. Uh, we cleaned the school first, uh, and then we would unload two trailers full of stuff and set up all this stuff to have church. And then Sunday morning after, you know, we'd have two services. And then after the two services were over with, then we would tear it all down. We'd put it back in the trailer. We would clean the school again. The school had never been so clean as when we were there, by the way, which is the words of Mickey Dice. Um, and, uh, and, you know, it, it was, you know, it was, it was a challenge. It was a lot of hard work, and a lot of people helped see us through that. Uh, but, um, you know, in the midst of, of, of that, you know, we've seen the church continue to grow over the years. And, and just like we see the church continue to grow now, and, and we had some conversations Thursday. We did a, a all-day staff planning thing downtown. One of the guys in church let us use a conference room at their business uh, for us just to kind of get away together and, and spend the day together. Uh, and poor Debbie had to deal with putting up with us for the whole day. Uh, God bless her. Uh, but, uh, you know, we worked through some things. And out of, out of even that, just the conversations we were having, is we... We feel like God is impressing on us right now that he is about to move and do some things in the life of this church. Amen. We feel like God is bringing people here constantly right now who are seeking to be a part of a church, to be a part of a family, to be on mission for the sake of the gospel. Um, and, and, and so one of the things that we kind of came to, much like this passage that we're going to read here in just a minute, is we came to here a little while back when we started to start feeling those things and knowing some of those things were true, um, was that, man, we, we need some more help. We need more people to help. We need more people to help uh, lead out and leading others and serving and that kind of thing. And, and so we talked, we, and we talked about how we had so many people that were serving as deacons already and didn't realize it that we needed to spend you know, the time and energy to empower them and, and make them deacons, to empower them to our people that our people would know uh, that they are deacons and that they're here to serve. So that's, uh, that's kind of where we come. And, and this passage that we're looking at today, in this passage we see this early church, this young church from long ago, and we see that the church is beginning to grow, and it's beginning to have the growing pains that you get with some of that, and, and there's some people falling through the cracks. And it's widows, and they're not getting food, and let me just tell you what, you want to get some people upset with you, don't feed them, okay? That's, 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 when, that's when they're going to start to get right. And so uh, that's what we see in this passage. Let's read this together today. Acts, Acts chapter 6 verse 1, and it says this in verse 1. It says, Now in these days when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. Now the daily distribution was food. You know, there was there was, you know, the church was trying to care for, as it should, trying to care for those uh, that were in need, and the widows were in need, and they needed food. And so, you know, but what had happened here, to kind of give you a little backstory to this, to kind of even make this make even a little more sense, is that it's believed, uh, now first of all, it's known that the, that the Hellenists, they were, they were a group of Jewish people speaking a little bit different language 
than you know, a lot of these guys that were ministering, the apostles and whatnot, were ministering to them at this point in time. So there was a language breakdown, okay? There was a language breakdown between these people and a lot of you know, these folks that were helping to lead that early church. And so there's a, there's a great chance, and this consider, it's figured that this is probably true, that a lot of the reason why they weren't going with food wasn't because they you know, forgot about them, but it was because they literally didn't know. They literally didn't know that they were needing food and trying to carry out the daily distribution. And it says in verse 2, it says, And the twelve summoned the full number, the full number of the disciples and said, It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. And so they're kind of, you know, kind of making this statement of like, you know, hey, we can't do it all. And we can't give up what we're called to do now. And, and, and so they're, you're saying, you know, we're, we're, you know we're, we've got to be out here teaching people. I mean, they're traveling. You can imagine this. Like, they're traveling around. The gospel had never been heard, you know, before this, before this period of time. And in such a way, I mean, like, this is fresh off the heels of, like, Jesus on the cross, empty tomb, the whole nine yards. And then, so then here's these people that are the early church, and they're out there, and they're telling people about Jesus. This is, this is brand new. And, and, and by the way, you know, don't forget, Jesus like gave them this like, you know, to the ends of the earth, to Samaria and all this kind of thing. We talked about that a couple weeks ago. You know, so they're, they're kind of even thinking, that's so awesome. <laughs> so Jesus is, you know, Jesus kind of giving them their marching orders. You know, I had to like stop and like, you know, you know, so of course. But yeah, so Jesus is giving them marching orders and all this kind of stuff. And so uh, all of you are like with your keychains, like right now, we're going to hear like two or three more start in just a minute, aren't we? Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, so they were, they had in mind, hey, we've got to fulfill, you know, what God's calling us to do and telling people about Jesus. So on top of this, you know, so now, now we got a complaint, you know, and we all love complaints, right? You know, you can't, you can't not love a good complaint, uh, especially from some widows about not getting their food. And I'm sure they're kind of like, oh my gosh, what are we supposed to do? Like, we can't keep up with all this stuff. So they're like, well, we got to do something. Verse three, it goes on. It says, therefore, brothers, pick out among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. And so they say, hey, let's, let's find some people that this is their calling. Now, let me talk about that for just a minute. I think that that's important. Um, I think a lot of people have over time, over the years, you know, kind of, you know, whether it be because of a church that they were in or because they watched too much churchy TV stuff or something, I don't know. Uh, but a lot of people over time have gotten this kind of like, they look at the church and they see like this hierarchy you know, of like, you know, kind of thing going on where like, you know, you got, you know, and, and the, the classic is like old school church that I grew up in where you had like, you know, the big, the big thrones on stage. You remember those that like the pastor set in, you know, and you'd have like, you might have like two over here and two over there. And like, you know, the pastor might sit over here and, you know, and he sits in like the bigger throne and then like the music guy sits in the big throne on that side. And then like the minister of education or something might get to sit in the small throne and the youth guy might sit in the other small throne or something. It's just kind of weird because like, you know, we got these thrones, but it's all about Jesus and he's the king, you know, kind of thing. I love that. Sorry. And that's, when you, when you grow up and all that, it's just funny. And so, and, and I, and I heard a pastor tell all about that. So yeah, I ripped it. Uh, but anyway, so yeah, but you know, this whole idea that there's like more important than another, that's not true. I mean, let me explain something to you. Something I think is important for us as a church to understand is that I have a, I have a calling. Chris has a calling. I'm called to preach. I was called to start a church. I was called to, you know, whatever. And, and other people have callings too. We got guys that are called to our parking lot ministry. I'll be honest with you. I think that's like one of the most important things that people could do as ministry in a church. You know why? Here's why. Because Satan is playing mind games with people when they're visiting a church. Satan's playing mind games with people that are going to a church they've been going to for 10 years. We, we get in a car and we're on our way and, and we're hearing this little voice in our head going, well, if nobody talks to me at church today, I'm out. I'm done with that place. You know? 
And, and, and like, you know, and, and think about, think about like, think about like new people, new people, they, they hear these voices in their head. They're saying, saying like, well, if you don't have five people talk to you and somebody that at least knows your name by the time that you are gone, you do not need to go back, you know? And so I, I see, I see those guys, I see all those folks and all of our greeters and our ushers. I see all of these people as people that are helping be the first line of defense of breaking down those silly things that are going down in people's heads so that they will, those walls will come down so that they might hear the life-saving message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because I can get up here and I can dance and stand on my head and, and, and whatever, and at the end of the day, if folks aren't willing to receive the news that God has for them, then that's a problem. And I hate, to, you know, I, I hate that it is that way. I, I wish, you know, wish it wasn't that way. But the truth is, is that we know that those things that I just said are true. We're all battling against those things. And especially folks that don't know the Lord or they're looking for a church home, it's a big deal to walk into some place that you've never been to before. Some of you here today, I already met some, I've met folks in both services today here for the first time. In fact, I walked, I walked through the back uh, earlier in the, in the first service and, and I just walked up on these people and shook their hands like, hey, what's your, what's your names? And they were telling me, and they're like, well, obviously it's our first day. And I was like, oh, I, well, I, I really didn't know. I was like, but I appreciate you telling me. I was like, so where are you guys from? Whatever. And I, and I just told him, I said, you know, honestly, on my end, it's hard for me to know when it's somebody's first day. You might've come for a couple weeks and slid under the radar on me or something. I, you know, it's, it's hard to know. And that's why, that's why we need the office of deacons. And, and so for the, for, to kind of clear and, and finish that thought process, my calling as a pastor is not better of a calling of a deacon. My calling's not better. Their calling's not better. My, their parking lot calling's not better. We're all called to do different things, do whether it be to giftings or whatever. I mean, it's, it's God's thing, whatever he leads us to do. And they're equally important to the life of the body of the church. Equally important. It goes on, it says... Verse 4, it says, but we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And they're, they're just kind of re, you know, reiterating, this is, this is our calling and this is what we need to be about doing. Um, as they're you know, continuing to go from town to town and, and preach the word and, and all that kind of stuff. And in verse 5, it goes on, it says, and what they said pleased the whole gathering and they chose Stephen. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith, and of the Holy Spirit. Now, by the way, this is, this is the Stephen that we just brought up a couple of weeks ago. And I, I taught a couple of weeks ago on a passage that's just an, another chapter or two away from where we are right now in Scripture. In fact, if you're just looking for something to study and you want to study and you didn't get to study about Stephen a couple of weeks ago because we were talking about the aftermath of Stephen and seeing, seeing that, how that played into uh, what was going to happen in Paul's life and all that kind of stuff... Um, continue reading after the passage that we're studying here on through the next chapter, and you'll see Stephen, who literally gave his life, was stoned to death for telling people about Jesus. That's this Stephen. So here's the moment where he comes into, we should remind all the deacons of this tonight, by the way, that like, you know, you know, hey, <laughs> you, stoning is an option. It's, it's a possibility. Uh, so this is that Stephen. It goes on. It says, And Philip, and Procurius, and Nicanor, and Timion, love these names, and Parmen Parm Parmenius, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. So they've picked seven. I've got seven guys. And uh, we, don't, we don't see necessarily how they picked their seven, but I thought it'd be interesting. I thought you'd be interested to know in how we do that here, because I think that's good for you to know if this is going to be your church home. Um, so one of the things about being a member at 24, and I think a lot of people don't really know a lot of things that members do or get to do or whatever, but we, we listen to members. First of all, membership is not like some exclusive deal here. Uh, the, the, the biggest point of membership for us is, is that we covenant together to be there for one another. That we're saying as equals, again, me even as a pastor here and anybody else, like I'm no, you know, I'm no like more important whatever kind of deal or any of that. That we covenant together to like saying, hey, I'm here for you. 
uh, I want you to be here for me. And that includes like, you know, if you see somebody going off the rails that, you know, we kind of drag them back in and go, hey, you know, are you doing okay? Like, let's talk about that. You know, what's, what's happening? And so when we deal with um, trying to figure out who our deacons are going to be, I'll be honest with you, like, the conversations within our staff, like we, we've talked for some time, like, man, they'd make a great deacon or they're, or they're already doing the work of a deacon or whatever. And so then we go to the membership and we say, we want you guys to nominate deacons. You give us the names of people that you think uh, would make great deacons. And the truth is, is what they're really doing is they're saying, these are the people that we already see being deacons. And so sure enough, we get that list back, and sure enough, like the, the, the top hits on this thing are people that we had already talked about, like, oh yeah, yeah, no surprises there, no surprises there. In fact, there was like one on the list that, uh, you know, she had actually like told people, do not vote for me. And, and so we were like, why is she not on the list? And like, we're like, like, she's doing as much, if not more than like anybody in the whole joint. And, and so we were like, well... All together, if we want to vote her in, we're all members. We're equals too. We, we'll just make her a deacon. So we're just like, all right, everybody want to vote? Who wants to vote? Say, yeah, all right, good deal. All staff was like, yeah, let's make her a deacon. So she became deacon. You can find out later who that was. Um, but yeah, so, you know, it, it, the, whole, the whole idea, the whole idea is that it's people who love Jesus who have humbled themselves to serve others. That's, that's what a deacon is. And as we go on and we see this, in fact, we'll go on in verse 6, it says this, it says, these they set before the apostles and they prayed and laid their hands on them. And we'll, do, we'll be doing that tonight. And the word of God continues to increase and the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. You hear, you hear, that, last, you hear that last line? A great number of of the priests became obedient to the faith. Priests, you know? And, and it's, you know, it's awesome to see, and, 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 and you see in that picture right there, like they installed these deacons, and out of that, God continued to bless his church, continued to grow his church, continued to move and do great things. I am a firm believer in this. I am a firm believer in this. If we will show God that we are faithful as a body of believers, as a church, if we will show him that we are faithful, that we will be ready for the people that he wants to bring for us to minister to, that he will bring them. If we can get out of a mindset of it being for us and about us and about who God is and what he's done and it's for him and that there are tons and tons of people all around us who desperately need him. That we're saying, God, if you need me, you call me in. I'll, I'll step up. I'll be one of your people. I'll be a parking lot. I'll be, I'll be a whatever. God, you lead me to be. I'll be that. Jesus spends his whole ministry trying to help us to see what it looks like to be a servant. To be a servant. Here he is, the son of God and God himself, with all power in the world. He spoke creation into existence, and then he showed up at a period of time in history when they were looking for a king to come riding in on a white horse, wearing a crown and a robe and all this stuff and to start barking orders. And instead, what did we get? We got the guy who came not to be served, but to serve. He is our example. He, he showed us what it looks like to deacon. God, I really believe is positioning our church for whatever reason it is. I know, well, I know what reason it is, to glorify him, to make much of him. And I'm reminded of the reasons why when I just talked with one of our firemen who were here in the church just, this, just a few minutes ago about how yesterday was not so easy with an overdose. This morning they got another call in for another overdose. You know where they were? They were both in Pleasant View. 
Folks, this is it's, it's ongoing. The folks that need us to love them, need us to minister to them. Some of you know. Some of you know how the depths of some of those things absolutely destroy you. God has called us to love one another, to love all people. We see them in this picture of this early church, people that don't speak the same language. You know what it would have been easy for them to have done is just go, I don't speak that language, just let them go. Let those widows be, you know, or whatever, you know. And they don't do that. Instead, they said, let's find some people to help step up and take care of these folks. Let's be the church. We see in 1 Timothy a kind of a list given here of qualifications of a deacon. I felt like it was appropriate to, to maybe share that list with you. It's just a few verses. 1 Timothy 3, if you want to go there with me. Uh, 1 Timothy 3, and in verse 8, we see Paul giving Timothy this list. We also see some of this in Titus. And it says this, it says in verse 8, it says, Deacons likewise must be dignified. By the way, there's a list for elders there close by too also in Titus, and we'll talk about like a few little differences, because a lot of, lot of these kind of expectations are, are you know, similar or the same. Now it says, deacons likewise must be dignified, uh, not double-tongued, and some, some of your spouses right now are like, you're never going to be a deacon, okay? <laughs> I'm kidding. Not addicted to too much wine, okay? Not addicted to too much wine, not greedy for dishonest gain, they must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. In other words, they must be of great faith. They must believe and trust in the Lord. And, 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 and here's, the, here's the great thing about the way we do deacons here. When you, we nominate deacons here, it's people that already love this church and love each other. It's not some like, you know, who's who or, you know, whatever the junk you see in some places or whatever. Uh, we're very blessed in that. We're just seeing people say, hey, these are people that I have seen who trust the Lord. These are people that we're seeing who are believing in Christ, and it's obvious in, in the evidence of their lives and their ministry within our church. Must hold to the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. Verse 10, and let them also be tested first. That's another thing I love about our process. I mean, these, these people, every one of these people that we're going we're gonna to install tonight, they're already doing the work of the deacon. I, you know, it's so, so, I, I've, I've been able to hear like the stories coming back from asking, because I, did, I didn't ask the ones that we're installing tonight. I didn't do that. Some of the other guys have been doing the asking. And uh, Penny, believe it or not, has been helping a whole lot with our deacons here lately. And kudos to him. I know that seems like crazy to some of you. Uh, but he's been, doing a, he's been doing a great job. And, uh, and, and he's been kind of sharing back with us like what some of the people have been saying when, when they've been asked, hey, would you consider you've been nominated? And we as a staff, we agree with the appointment of you being a deacon. Would you consider being a deacon? And some of them have had this response like, oh no, what does that mean I got to do? You know, I mean, because that's, you know, and, but here's the beauty of it. Here's the beauty of it is they're already doing it. And that, that's why they've been nominated. They're already doing these things. We're just empowering them in front of the, in front of the body uh, so that people know that they are a deacon and they can go to them if they need their help with stuff. And, uh, and then, the, you know, you get like, you know, I think one or two people were like, oh, I don't know. I don't know, man. I got... I probably need to get some stuff together or something like to be able to do that, you know. And I and I was like, when I when I heard that, especially about one of our guys, it's like I was like, what what do they need to write an essay or something? Like what what what's going on? So should be really cool. But anyway, um, they've been tested first, and it goes on. And it says, then let them serve as deacons if they prove themselves blameless. Their wives. Likewise, must be dignified. Now, some of you are just like, I'm, I'm going to have to tell you I'm out now. So, again, it's just a joke. And it says, uh, not slanderers, talking about the wives here, not slanderers, but, sl but sober-minded, faithful in all things. 
Let deacons each be the husband of one wife, managing their children and their, and their own households well. And I think that this is probably one of the biggest pieces that we see. And I really, I firmly believe this is one of the biggest pieces we'll see for a deacon. This is one of the biggest pieces that we, that's also shared and that we see for elders slash pastors. By the way, same thing, elders and pastors. We use those words interchangeably around here. Um, and, you know, for us to know that these are people who hold of high importance, caring for their spouses, caring for their children, trying to lead their home well. Doesn't mean you're perfect, okay? Doesn't mean things are perfect. I've seen churches in the past, you've probably seen churches like this too. I've seen churches in the past where, you know, the, uh, the, the, one of the preacher's kids, as they get older, they, you know, go off the rails and, and do something crazy or whatever, and then the church is like, oh, you can't be the preacher here anymore, you know, get out of here, kind of thing. Well, I don't know that that's really a biblical, I know it's not a biblical approach. Uh, with what we see with grace and all those kinds of things, uh, it's, that's not what this is saying. This is saying for these people that these are people that are doing their best to lead their families to the Lord and that they're loving them and they're ministering to them first. Now, let me just tell you, that is like one of the hardest pieces for me as a pastor is that they're ministering to them first. That's why I was kind of like two weeks ago and was like, oh, we're about to not have a vacation until next year. Uh, that's going to be fantastic, and that makes me a pretty rotten father and husband. Um, you know, and so you know, in, in the midst of that, I, just, I, I even came to staff that next day after I realized that, and I told the guys, I was like, guys, I, I need your help. Like, I really need to take my family and go do something. I didn't know what we were going to go do. I mean, we didn't have anything. We are just going like, to go live in a van down by the river or something. Um, but, um, you know, that, that's, this is a huge piece. It's a huge piece of the puzzle, uh, for both offices within the church. And it goes on it says, uh, verse 13, for those who serve well as deacons gain a good standing for themselves and also great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. For those who serve well as deacons gain a good standing for themselves and also great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. I, I, I'm just, I gotta tell you, we are blessed more than most folks would ever know to have the people that we have at 24 Church as our deacons, as our pastors, as our support staff. I'm just, I'm telling you, I'm from the bottom of my heart, I am, I am humbled by what God has done here and is doing here, and I believe what he is setting up for things to be happening in the future. It is unbelievable to me. We are at a place, I can honestly say, we are at a place right now in the life of this church that is probably the best place that we've ever been in our life. If anything, we're sitting around going, okay, what, what are we going to do with all the people that God's going to bring that we're going to minister to? Like, like, you know, we're talking about, like, we're talking with an architect right now. He's giving us some stuff. Like, we're trying to move forward with some things. Like, we need offices and some of these things. But then we're also, like, on the, on the flip side going, like, what do we do with the people? What if God decides that he wants to double the amount of people who attend 24 Church? What do we do with that? What do we do with that? Are we ready for that? Are we going to be in a position to handle that? And, and the growth of what's happening in our area leads only to believe that that's even more true. If, if you took God out of the equation, which I definitely don't want to do, I mean, if you just looked at that alone, we're going to grow. We're going to have more people. We need to be ready to minister. We don't want the widows going without the daily distribution. So, let me go over just a couple of the differences between the elders and deacons. I figured that was just worth you know, covering for just a second. Uh, deacons, and, and again, there's lists there. Titus and Timothy both have these lists, kind of what we're looking at right here in Timothy uh, for elders and for deacons. So it's not like, you know, it's what we want it to be. It's, it's God's deal. Uh, one of the things that deacons don't have to do is they don't have to be able to teach. They can, you know, they, if they feel led to teach, they want to teach, that's fine. Uh, but it's not a requirement. Whereas like that's a pastor requirement. Like, like we all have to be ready to preach and teach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Um, furthermore, uh, they're not responsible for the care of the church when it comes to like what they're going to have to answer to one day. You know, that's, that's something that's on somebody like me. Uh, part of, part of my calling as a pastor, part of me saying yes to that calling was knowing that a piece of that 
is that one day I will have to answer for who I have or haven't cared for when it comes to fulfilling my calling as a pastor. That's a big, that's a big piece right there. They, they, they're not, they're not going to be held accountable for missing somebody or whatever it is. Uh, and the truth is, is, is God shows grace. We've, we've got that. And, and even for pastors, there's grace. Uh, but it's the, it's the you know, purposeful, I would say, that that's talking about in that passage when it comes to the elders being responsible for that. It's a purposeful, like, I'm not going to minister to that person kind of thing. Not a, I forgot or whatever. I mean, we're all with, with sin. And then lastly, that they're not overseers. Deacons aren't overseers like pastors are overseers. overseers. In other words, you know, they don't have to make like, you know, the decisions of like God is leading the church to do this. This is opposite. This is opposite of maybe a church that maybe like you grew up in at some point in time. Maybe, maybe you went to church and back in the day you thought deacons were like the businessmen of the church. Anybody go into church like that at some point in time in their life? Yeah. And, 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 and we kind of had this understanding. Deacons, here's two words, you ready for it? Are servant leaders. They're servant leaders leaders. I want you to think about those two words for just a second. They kind of almost don't really go together. Servant leaders. When we think about leaders, a lot of times we're thinking about people who uh, it's a my way or the highway, you know, type approach. Like, you know, they're egotistical and all this kind of thing. You know, they, they, they've kind of got their thing that they're tracking and everybody else has got to follow them kind of deal. Um, <laughs> servant is the opposite of that. You know, and I'm not saying leaders are supposed to be what I just said, but that's kind of what, in this world that we live in, that's what we think of a lot of times when we think of leaders. Servants are people who humble themselves to do what is, whatever is asked of the master. So to be a servant leader is to lead other people in being servants. It's to put on display who Jesus was. That's a deacon. Now also, probably a little different than some churches, is we have, we have women and men deacons at our church. Um, you know, and, and that's a biblical thing. We actually have deaconesses uh, in Scripture. Uh, you know, we have uh, our, our one, until tonight, we're going to install another, our one lowly female deacon has been Ann Saylor. Uh, and she's great because she's perfect Ann, if you didn't know. I mean, she does like everything, you know, perfectly all the time. I mean, she like writes books and raises other people's kids. And I, I, you know, I don't, she's constantly just amazing and caring. She cares for the world and her neighborhood. Like you, you go, you go in a hurry. She'd kill me by the way, if she was in here right now, like she would charge the stage. I didn't talk about this in the first service, but I meant to, and I forgot about it. And I was looking forward to her charging the stage. Um, but you could go into her neighborhood right now and you could knock on any door and you could go, you could say, Hey, uh, I'm new to the neighborhood, you lie, you know, whatever. I'm new to the neighborhood, and um, I- I'm looking for somebody uh, that might help my family right now. Do you know anybody here in this neighborhood who, care- who cares for other people in this neighborhood? I- hands down, 100%, you're going to get Ann Saylor. Ann Saylor. Maybe her husband, Dan, but Ann Saylor, you know. <laughs> I'm kidding. Dan's great, and also a deacon. So, um, again, something a little different. Again, part of this is I just want people to kind of know. I want people to know who deacons are, biblically speaking, and and how they function as a part of our church. And here's here's some of the things that they function doing. We have deacons that help oversee things like our facilities, uh, help oversee things like benevolence, uh, help with usher stuff, you know, helping making sure people are greeted well, logistical things, finance things. And, and let, me, let me stop on the finance things. I want to explain something. I think it's important for people that this, if this is your church home, I think it's important for you to know some of the ways in which we handle finances because we don't, we don't talk about that stuff a whole lot because we're just like, Jesus, 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 you know, forget about all this other stuff. That's, me, basically. Uh, but, you know, it's like the finance things. We have deacons who over, oversee and help oversee our finance team. We have a finance team. They help oversee the money. Any money that comes into this church, if you have ever tried to give me an offering because you missed the plate, then you already know I won't take it. I don't want it. 
I, I, there, there's, there's too much in the past with pastors who have, who have taken money from churches and all that stuff. I have basically tried to divide myself as far as I way, of way that I can. I don't even have a church card where I can take you to lunch. I mean, and maybe that's overboard. I don't know. I don't really care. I don't think I need it. If I need something, I get Debbie to get it, you know, whatever. So Debbie, get me a Shelby Mustang next week. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but, you know, so, so like when money comes in, there's accountability for all these things. We've got this awesome group of ushers led by our deacons, and they go back and they count it together. Nobody's allowed to be alone with it. They count it together. They make note of everything together. They bag it together for the bank. Checks and balances, all that stuff, hopefully for the faithfulness of trying to protect God's bride his church, which I think is ultimately the important part of that. But, but, here, but here, here's, the, here's the reason I'm telling you all this. The picture I'm trying to paint is there is no way that I could do all that. There's no way that uh, all the pastors here could do all that. It takes everybody that is a part of this body together faithfully serving Jesus for this to really be his church and glorify him. Because I can tell you, if I had to do all that stuff, I mean, I'd, I'd probably just quit. I, I, I wouldn't know what to do. I wouldn't, be able to, I wouldn't be able to do the things I'm called to do, just like we see in this passage in Acts 6. Deacons are humble people who want to serve Jesus by serving others. Here's the beauty of that. It points to the gospel. It points to Jesus. When we serve others like Christ has served us, God is glorified. God is glorified and he's magnified. And, and that, in essence, is what we have all been created for. You may be sitting here today and going, well, we heard a lot, whole lot about deacons. And I'm like, I'm not a deacon and I'm not a pastor, so what's any of this matter to me? Here's what it matters. We are all called ministers of the gospel if we have trusted in Christ to be our Savior. And therefore, we are all called to serve others. Again, I'll say it. Jesus spent his whole ministry, the whole thing, saying serve the people, love the people, care for the people. He comes back from the dead, okay? He comes back from the dead. And what's he give us? Feed my sheep, feed my sheep, feed my sheep. And then what? The Great Commission? Go therefore and baptize them, all of them, all nations, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and I'll be with you always to the end of the whole thing. This is the mission that God has called us to. And folks, let me, let me give you a little nugget of joy. When we are a part of fulfilling it, and we are faithful to it, there has never been a better place in our lives that we could be as right there in the middle of what God has called us to and doing what he's called us to. And that's why sometimes when you're in the middle of doing something and you know it's something God has led you to do and you're getting to be a part of it, by the way, it's not a reason for us to do that, but, but one of the blessings that we get many times from that happening is just knowing and seeing God working through us that we have a peace in our heart, we have a feeling, we have that tingly thing going on. It's like, wow, this is amazing. We don't get that when we buy stuff for ourselves, do we? <laughs> We, we want that. Like, that's why we buy the stuff sometimes. But the truth is, is that God's standing over here, and Jesus gave us the whole example, and he's standing over here just saying, hey, give it all to me. Let me use it for my glory. All your talents, your time, your life, your family, your home, your possessions, your money, whatever it is, let it glorify me. Why? Why would God care so much about glorifying himself? Here's why. Because he knows he's got the best thing going, and he loves us, and he knows that without him, we are lost, slaves to sin, and an eternity that we don't even want to think about. And he's looking at us, and he's saying, glorify me that the others might know me, and find me and believe in me like you have, that they too might be forgiven of their sin, 
that they too might find freedom from their sin, that they too might have an eternity with me that matters. We're all called to be servants. Deacons are just called to be servant leaders. I praise God for our deacons. Praise God for what he's doing in our church. Let me tell you this too. I praise God for so many of you that I see serve so faithfully. That are not deacons, that are not pastors. But you love Jesus and you want others to know him too. I praise God for you. God wants to continue to use you in major ways. I'll tell you this, we'll close. I read the story this week on uh, the internet from uh, the Tennessean, because nobody reads the real Tennessean anymore. It's on the internet now. Um, and his story was talking about this guy who's a huge football fan, and when the Titans were coming to Nashville, this guy was like on the forefront, and just as a huge football fan, not a politician or anything like that, from Gallatin, just loves football, played high, played high school, and I think college ball too. Played actually played for Vanderbilt. Now that I think about it, a long time ago, and he was a huge proponent of like wanting the Titans to come to Nashville. Now, if you turn back time and you, we had a DeLorean to be able to go there, uh, you would find that uh, if you've forgotten, there was a lot of people that were against the Titans coming here. There was not there was a, a lot of people not happy about that at that point in time. Um, but this guy, like he was campaigning, like literally campaigning, trying to get this to happen. And then when it all went through, he was like one of the first people that bought season tickets. And he, he got his season tickets, and he has gone literally, and this is his, from out of his mouth, he's been to every game that they have played at home up until last year. So early on, this is an important story to tell, because so you kind of follow it. Uh, like within that first season, there was a moment in time where he was bringing beers to a bunch of the people that he was setting with. Like, I think, I think they said 10 beers. Now, they probably wouldn't even sell one person 10 beers now. I don't even know. But anyway, so he comes down with all these beers, and because he's got all these beers, it looks like he's selling the beers. So they start calling him Beer Man. This is important because of this. So last year... One of the other fans, who's a faithful Titans fan, going to the games and that kind of thing, noticed that some other fans from other teams had started using his seats. And <clears throat> kind of left them wondering, like, you know, where's, where's Beer Man? Where's this guy at? What happened to him? And so to the point that, like, after enough games that finally this fan, because this guy was a super fan, okay, you know, he was one of the guys that used to wear the flaming head things and all that stuff. And, uh, and they had pictures galore of all that, by the way. Um, so this person writes the Tennessean and is like, look, there's a guy who's gone missing who has been a consistent part of this for so long, and he's gone. I need you to help me find him, but I don't know his name. We just know him as Beer Man. You know, because we're talking a long time now that they've been calling him by his nickname and they didn't know his real name. So, long story short, Tennessean, um, apparently this person pestered the Tennessean enough to finally, the, ten the Tennessean was like, oh, you know what, here's a story, let's look into it, let's try to figure out. So they started looking into it and sure enough, they, they talk to the Titans, they figure out where the seats were, they find out, they have to do some, you know, backstory, whatever, trying to figure out who this guy is. They finally figure out who the guy is. Lives in Gallatin. And he had an accident last year. He had an accident. He was home alone. And he fell on his face. And it paralyzed him. And he's, he's been doing tons of, you know, rehabilitation and all this stuff. But I mean, even still, like he's, he's in a wheelchair and all this stuff. Well, out of all this stuff, this person that is, you know, kept pestering. They pestering. They were pestering the Titans. They were pestering the Tennessean. And finally, they looked into it, figured this out, figured out he couldn't come. He can't come to the games now. Couldn't couldn't come to the games because of the the you know, condition that he's been in. And so he's been out. And so uh, here, I think a, about a week ago, they brought him in, and they brought him on the field in his wheelchair. Brought him to the locker room. He got to meet the whole team. 
And I, of course, had you know pictures and all this kind of stuff and everything. And 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 this, guy, and this guy's saying, you know, he's like, I can't tell you how awesome it is that somebody missed me. That somebody missed me and noticed and like went to this trouble. This this would have never happened. I would have never been here again, you know, if if somebody had not taken the time and gone to the trouble to like try to find me, figure out who I was, contact these other people. That's who we're supposed to be as a church. That's who we're supposed to be as a church. Like, we, we can all admit, we want to go where everybody knows our name. Sing the song, okay? Like, we, we all want to be missed if we go MIA. And here's the truth. And it, this kills me. I want you to know, I'm telling you something personal right now. It kills me to say this, but I can't keep up with everybody. Even our pastors, I can't keep up with everybody. If you didn't know, every one of our staff members has a job outside of the church. Can't, can't do it. What, I wish it kills me. It kills me that I can't keep up with everybody. It kills me that I couldn't have known for sure before they told me this morning that they were first-time visitors. I'm glad they told me. I really am. But this is where we as the body of believers have to work together to love one another to love others. There's probably people that you've noticed that maybe I don't even know. That maybe they've never had a conversation with me. There's a ton of people that come here at church that like they get in and they get out and they don't talk to anybody if they can help it, you know? That's just a cultural thing. But let, let me just say this. If we would all care like one Titans fan cared to find all the beer men... <laughs> that we would know, that they would know that we love them, that we care for them. Some of you probably felt that way. And, and maybe God's laying somebody on your heart today, and, and, and maybe you just need to call them today. Or maybe it's just somebody God's laid on your heart that's a neighbor, or it's somebody else that maybe that you never even invited them to church, but maybe, maybe you should. And you may, you may call some of these people who've been missing in action for a minute or whatever, and they may be like, well, the, well, the preacher didn't call me. And they're probably right. But it doesn't mean that we don't try to love on them and care and you can tell them I told you so. I don't care. I'll write you a note. God wants all of these people to know him, to trust in him, that he can change their lives. And the simple acts of loving on people help lead them to him. It's a great description for a deacon. Let's pray together.